Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Well, I'd certainly be remiss if we didn't start with the big injury news from Wednesday night, and that is Anthony Davis suffering a fairly gross-looking ankle sprain, which I know is sort of a thing you don't hear put together all that often, but this reminded me... Geez, it didn't. It was it was one of the ugliest ankle sprains I've ever seen, and I know that they're gonna. I'm sure we're waiting on an MRI result, and hopefully, there won't be anything worse than just a horrific ankle sprain. But if you recall, first of all, big men are always gonna come back a little bit slower from stuff like that. And then I think back to like I think it was Jonas Valanciunas, maybe three seasons back, had an ankle sprain that cost him six weeks. I don't think you see Anthony Davis back. Before the end of March. Oh, brutal. You know, I'm a pragmatic fantasy player. You guys know that about me. But, I mean, that is that is a rough one to watch as a Laker fan. Because this was sort of their, okay, we got our guys together. Let's see what things look like. It, it actually felt like the Lakers in that game against the Warriors, they played one of their better games of the year, lost because Klay Thompson went nuts. And uh, now they're cut down to their prime again. From a fantasy standpoint... And you didn't really get to see it in yesterday's ballgame all that much, but the last time that AD was out, or really the last time that the Lakers were missing any of their main three cogs, Malik Monk was the guy who had to step up and score. They need someone who can score, because without Anthony Davis, they're not going to get as many easy buckets. They're going to need somebody who can shoot a little bit. It's probably going to have to be Monk. And then the other part of that equation is Carmelo Anthony, who also stepped up in a big way, when Anthony Davis was out last. He's been sidelined by a hamstring thing, and we assume he'll be back after the All-Star break, but I don't think you can put anything in stone. Melo is an older player, as are almost all of the Lakers. Hamstrings, that type of stuff lingers. He might the, he might play right out of the break, in which case he would probably be the guy, but I don't know that I can count on that. So that's why I gave kind of a cursory look at Monk. He, he did a little stuff in yesterday's ballgame, but you didn't get the full game's worth. I think because we have this week to sit on things now, it affords us a different luxury. I would say you probably add Carmelo if you're in kind of a games cap roto format where you don't have to worry too much about roster moves. If you're in head-to-head and you only have two or three more moves for the rest of this week and all of next week. I think you probably just do nothing. I don't know. If you got like five or six moves you can blow, yeah, you could probably add Mello and then switch it over to Monk if Carmelo's not back yet. I would rather have Mello between the two if they're both healthy because I don't know that either one of them is necessarily going to start. We know Monk is pretty reliable when he's in the starting lineup, but they've been Lakers have been moving bodies around based on who they're playing against. And we don't know what they're going to do a week from now anyway. So that's, I, I really don't think we need to make a move on this one. I don't know that you have to race out and grab him because as you're going to hear here in a moment, there were actually a lot of really interesting things that came out of Wednesday's almost, well, this was the last sort of big day before the All-Star break. We had our five-gamer tonight, kind of a quiet five-game card. It's the last big card before the All-Star break. And I know some teams were sort of, you know, mailing it in a little bit. But from a rotations standpoint and a streaming standpoint, I thought Wednesday was actually really, really interesting. Let's dive into it. First of all, hi, 
What's up? Welcome to Fantasy NBA Today. Hoop. Sports ethos presentation. Ah, <laughs> caught myself. I'm Dan Vesperus. Uh, happy to talk to you guys again. You can follow me on Twitter at Dan Vesperus, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. I'm on a mission to the end of time to get everybody that follows me on Twitter to listen to the podcast and everybody that listens to the podcast to follow me on Twitter. I want it to be full equilibrium, maximum overlap. I know that's never going to happen. You're never going to 100%. But to those of you that are here listening to the show, please do follow my social media. I do a lot of fantasy stuff over there that can occur in the moment, speedy stuff. And then hopefully everybody that's over on Twitter is like, oh, I wish I could get a more in-depth analysis of what's going on. Sort of a big hamburger of fantasy deliciousness that... I hope is the podcast that I bring to you daily. Of course, Sports Ethos is sportsethos.com and at Ethos Fantasy BK on Twitter, up to the minute news feed, so on and so forth. You guys know the deal. Best damn news feed on planet Earth with analysis. Now with analysis. No, it's always had analysis. Atlanta beat Orlando in a blowout. Uh, I was hoping for another big one out of Danilo Gallinari. We got more of the average Gallo. So you got the crap Gallo, the big Gallo, and the average Gallo. That was the three-game stream we had for him with John Collins out. You could most likely move on from that. The expectation is that Collins is going to be back after the All-Star break. If you want, I mean, I'm only suggesting moving on because I think we found some stuff on this Wednesday card, and I'll, I'll make mention of it as, as we go through that. You're obviously not just going to drop a player. The only time you ever do that is to bring someone off of an IL slot. So you're not just going to drop Gallo for no reason. But I do think we found some interesting players you might be able to replace him with. The Clint Capella, Anyika Okongwu, ever so slight bump with John Collins also probably runs out. And on the Orlando side, I don't know what the hell happened, but Mo Bamba woke up a little bit. He played 27 minutes, got off to a quick start, went through a very sluggish second and third quarter, and then got it cooking a little bit here more towards garbage time, admittedly. But... I'll take it. 11-9, a block and a three-pointer, 5 out of 10 shooting. That's a pretty good fantasy line. Hopefully, he continues to see minutes in the mid-20s because that's what pushes him in above the top 75. Low 20s gets him into that 90 range. And under 20 puts him more as a streamer. Those are your thresholds. Those are your barriers for Mo Bamba value. Cole Anthony was pretty good. Only played 25 minutes. Jalen Suggs played 35 minutes. Can't totally figure that one out, but I'm going to keep leaning into what I said on yesterday's podcast, which is of the sort of late-season stash guys, Suggs is my favorite just from watching them play. The guys that have sucked for the first, like, four months of the year that have a chance to get better, I think he's the one you want to be looking at. And every one of the little tea leaves, arrows, whatever you want to say you're following, points in that same direction. Game they're getting blown out, still gave them a ton of minutes. They're giving them the keys, and his field goal percent is horrendous, even though he's not taking three-pointers. That's the thing that levels out as he figures out the NBA game speed. Indiana beat Washington. That's ugly. I mean, you knew this game was going to be ugly, but just ugly enough to work. Jalen Smith got the start at center instead of power forward with Goga Batadze a late scratch, and he had a decent ball game in 23 minutes. I think we were hoping for more if you whipped him into your lineup post-haste. Uh, at the same time, you know I, I don't think that he's going to be 
tabbed with playing more than about 22, 23 minutes on a given night. That feels like kind of where he's maxing out. And you might see Isaiah Jackson back after the All-Star break. This is their last game pre-break. You might see Miles Turner back a week and a half after that. So I get it. Like Jalen Smith is really interesting for this in this moment, but I do think that his value is actually pointed down after this sort of four-game span of interesting stuff. I've kind of moved on from most of the Indiana front court, mostly because, one, I can't wait on someone getting zeros. That's not a proven asset. I'm talking, of course, of Isaiah Jackson. He may end up having a really good run here, but I need someone playing. I needed someone with two to three games pre-All-Star break this week in my head-to-head leagues. And in my Roto leagues, I'm so damn far behind in almost all of them. There's like one that I wasn't way behind in games played. Okay, fine. Maybe that league I could squat on him. But in most of the other ones, I needed guys that were playing. Terry Taylor got the start at power forward. He moved in from the bench. He had 18-9 with a block. Pretty good, efficient ball game. But nah, you're not going to jump at that. Again, guys coming back are going to obliterate whatever's going on in that Indiana front court, and you might want to feel it out. Tristan Thompson, by the way, got bought out after this ball game. He had 17-6 and six in his farewell tour to Indiana. He's going to sign with the Chicago Bulls, supposedly. That's the report right now. Yeah, that opens up more minutes at center. That's great. That's good for Smith and Batadze and Brissett, who bounced back, had a bad free throw shooting, but general game, but you know, overall bounced back in this one. And good for Jackson good for Miles Turner, whatever, you know, anytime you addition by subtraction kind of thing to, to give more opportunity to these other guys. Okay, fine. Like, Roto Leagues, you're sitting over the All-Star break. That's a spot where maybe you could sit on someone since you're not missing out on games played for a week. And if you're like, oh, maybe Isaiah Jackson is just going when they come back, there's just going to be a lot of splitting of things. I'll sit on Brissett. He sort of has a starting job and generally gets starters minutes. Uh, among the other two guys, I don't know that you need to sit on either of them. You could sit on both. Roto games cap format, I don't think I'd start either of them. If And then Batadze is in the mix also. He comes back that you know, kind of takes the minutes that Tristan Thompson played. So, yeah, I think of all those guys, Brissett's the only one I'd actually hang on to right now. Washington side, KCP finally decided to say, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go actually do some stuff on offense. And this is, you remember me talking about it uh, towards the beginning of the week. I kept waiting for him to be more aggressive offensively now that they don't have much offensively. At the same time, first of all, if you're streaming head-to-head, pretty good little spurt here, uh, playing three games this week, going into the deadline, and I think they have, I think they might have two coming out of the break also. Yeah, Friday, Saturday of next week. So five games over the two weeks, that's pretty good for KCP. You can ride that out if you want. I think as Porzingis comes back, he's going to be marginalized again offensively. He's a fill-out-the-end-of-your-bench kind of guy, limited upside. Had a good ball game here. Does get some steals from time to time, but just needs usage that I don't think he's going to see consistently outside of this ball game. What I did find interesting in this one, and everybody keeps trying to tell me it's Denny Avdia time, and I haven't seen it yet. You know, this they're like, point Denny! Yeah, he's not racking up assists, guys. They have two point guards. Neto and Ish Smith are basically like prototypical pass-first, poor man's DJ Augustine point guards. 
And yet at the same time, I will netto cut my eye a little bit in this ball game. If only because now we've seen Ish Smith in town for a couple of ball games, and Neto has continued to soak up the starters' minutes. I thought we were moving more towards a timeshare because it was like 28 to 20, which wasn't quite enough for Neto. But if he's playing well and that 28 inches up, like in this ball game, Neto played 33 competitive ball games, so I guess he got to see a little bit extra time. Ish Smith. 21 so there were stretches where they weren't exclusively sharing the point guard minutes when Porzingis comes back and pushes kind of everybody down the ladder it does have an impact even on the smaller guys to some degree uh, but the fact that they seem to want to get old Neto 28 to 30 minutes a game tells me that that's probably enough which again this is not going to be a fat upside kind of play But we are talking about a point guard in the NBA who can get you five-plus assists per ball game in starters' minutes. If he's playing 8 to 20, 28 to 31 minutes a ball game, he's probably going to be around five to six assists per game. He's not going to score very much. He doesn't take many three-pointers, but he's a very good free-throw shooter. His field goal percent fluctuates a bit, but again, because he doesn't take that many ill-advised shots, it's not that bad. It's like kind of middling for a point guard. And then what I'd like to see is what can Neto do defensively? I think that's where you could see him post a little bit of value. Starters minutes, it does seem like he's going to get you over one steal per ball game. Since he's moved into this starters role, he has six steals in those four games. One and a half, maybe that's a little bit on the high side if you were aiming for that long term. But let's say 1.3 steals, somewhere between five and six assists, good free throw percent, not terrible field goal. The problem for him is going to be the lack of three-pointers. He needs to knock down between one and two threes instead of under one. Uh, But I like him, actually, as an end-of-bench point guard. Fits a lot of specialist-style needs this late in the season, and it doesn't seem like they're moving towards Ish Smith yet. So yeah, I picked up all Neto. Pains me to say it, but I did it. There's one interesting ad for the day. Yes, even over KCP. Oh hey, I want to dial back to that first ball game. By the way, um, I'm getting a lot of questions about what to do if Chuma Okiki ends up with a starting job. It shouldn't matter. He should be on your roster already. We win by staying ahead of the curve. Chuma's number 114 on the year, and he's inside the top 60 over the last month. Off the bench, mostly. Had a couple of spot starts in there, but he's done it largely with steals, threes, a couple of rebounds, blocked shots. He's like just under one block over that stretch. It doesn't matter if he's starting or coming off the bench. Chuma's a start. The Magic have quietly become a really good fantasy team. Okiki, Wagner, Bamba, Wendell Carter Jr., Wendell, sorry, Cole Anthony, and even Jalen Suggs. For stretches, Gary Harris had fantasy value, not so much right now. And that's part of why Bamba ended up with more minutes, by the way, in this ballgame. Harris being dialed back. And it's possible that Gary Harris actually gets dialed down between now and the end of the year. Boston, disappointing loss. My 25-1 bet on the Celtics to win the Atlantic Division. This is not one that 
they could allow snapping their streak. They'd, they blew all their energy on the Sixers the night before to gain a game on Philly and then lost this one. Woof. Not good. Jeremy Grant had a better ball game. Detroit, actually, a bunch of guys had pretty good games for the Pistons here because uh, Boston's took their, Boston took their eye off the ball. That's the Marcus Smart effect, man. He's their heartbeat. You take him out, and they just they lose their motor. No Time Lord either, although they've been okay without him. Al Horford sliding up to play center. He puts up big numbers when he plays center. Grant Williams does, actually. Now that the Celtics are kind of a shorter bench, uh, Derek White slid into the starting five for Marcus Smart. Horford up to center, Grant Williams in there. There aren't that many guys to back those dudes up anymore, so you could probably start Grant Williams if this is the way the roster looks on the other side of the All-Star break, but I'm betting that Time Lord and Smart are both back. I would assume so. I think they figured they could buy a little bit of rest for somebody, not play through an injury, and they biffed it. I got out-rebounded 47-30. to That's just an effort game. Not enough effort. Oh, well. Look at Derek White's fantasy line, though. 9-6-6, six, six, three steals, two blocks. Mm-mm-mm. Delicioso. Nothing to do fantasy-wise in this one. Nice to see Kelly Olenek, by the way, have a slightly better ball game. Keep one eye on him, because Marvin Bagley's not very good, and I wonder if the Pistons are going to figure that out and start feeding some minutes back to the old goat. You don't have to do anything with him right now. He only played 17 minutes, but Dwayne Casey came out before the ball game and mentioned how Olenek was still dealing with COVID after effects, and they're hoping maybe he comes back on the other side of the break with a little bit more wind in his sails. Hey, we got new information for you guys from our good buddies at expressvpn.com slash hoopball. Hey, uh, did you know that using the internet without ExpressVPN is like checking in your bags at the airport without a lock? You think your stuff is kept private, but you never know who's going through your crap. I don't know what you guys pack in your, your suitcase. For me, uh, the thing that I really didn't want people touching was broadcast equipment, oddly enough. I used to travel uh, with broadcast equipment regularly. This was way back. It was like 2011 when I was doing a podcast for pregame.com. Uh, I had to travel with my mixer, and I don't know what's happening to that stuff. I tried to do it in carry-on, but I got a lot of sideways looks and a lot of random pat-downs with, with big electronics in my carry-on bag. It all ended up fine. Um, but I don't know. Think about your bag. What do you not want somebody rifling through after you check it? That's what you're doing with the internet. You're just floating through without a lock. When you go online without a VPN, ISPs can see every single website you visit. They can then legally sell that information without your consent to ad companies, tech giants, whoever, and then they use that data to target you. So this is like somebody going through your suitcase, finding your broadcast equipment, and then hounding you, like coming up, coming to your door every day and trying to sell you a microphone. But think about that in a much more lewd and lascivious manner. Like if somebody came to my door with a microphone, I'd be like, this is weird, but I guess I'm not all that creeped out. But think about something you might be traveling with. What about medicines? What if somebody knew what medicines you were taking and they came to your door? That's messed up. Why should you use ExpressVPN? Because then you can browse anonymously. When you use expressvpn.com slash hoopball, ISPs can't see your activity. Your identity is protected by a secure VPN server. Your data is encrypted. 
It's easy to use. You fire up the app, you click one button, and it works on all of your devices, phones, laptops, even routers. You can install it on a router. So everyone who shares your Wi-Fi could be protected. That's pretty damn cool. Then you don't need to run it on each individual machine. I use expressvpn.com to protect my privacy and to allow me to stream videos without people knowing what I'm watching. So secure your online activity by visiting our special link, expressvpn.com slash hoopball. Today, yes, the old name, expressvpn.com slash hoopball, H-O-O-P-B-A-L-L. Get three extra months free on your 12-month subscription. 15 months for the price of 12. ExpressVPN. Check them out. Nets came back from almost 30 down to beat the Knicks, who are in full freefall these days. They cannot hold a lead to save their lives. Mitchell Robinson's been better lately, at least. Fournier's been better lately, at least. Randall's been better lately, at least. From a fantasy perspective, but boy, something's got to give in New York. Meanwhile, Seth Curry, king of the mountain... Another big ball game here. Obviously, things are going to change for the Nets as Simmons and then Durant and Kyrie. And there's all this stuff floating around about will New York change their mandate, thinking about it, not doing it yet. I wouldn't worry too much on that front yet. And again, I, you know, this is why I can't bring myself to dive into like a Cam Thomas, who actually had an okay ball game here, or a Bruce Brown, who was fine. James Johnson was the guy who actually kind of picked up the slack a little bit in this one. I'm more interested in the center position, which is Andre Drummond and LaMarcus Aldridge. They basically split the center minutes. Blake Griffin got a handful, also had a couple of power forward. But Aldridge and Drummond each posted fantasy-relevant lines. Andre missed a bunch of free throws, and that's going to be a problem for him. So if you have him, you kind of have to be aware that that comes with the territory. But he's startable in 20-some-odd minutes per ballgame because of what he can do on the glass. And it also seems like Aldridge is going to be startable in whatever minutes he's getting, which right now, hovering in that, you know, between, what was it? It was 19 his first game back. It was 22 in this one. He might sit out the back-to-back. I guess we'll see. Nets could use some wins, though, so he may he may try to play through it. You know, 20-some-odd minutes for Aldridge has actually been enough this year. He's number 109 in 22-and-a-half minutes per ball game, and that's a fantasy startable player. So don't cast him aside. I think both of those guys need to be rostered, and I feel okay with that one. So there's another one. If Aldridge is floating around on a wire, that's a guy you could also drop Gallo for. I already forgot who the hell we mentioned earlier in the show. I think Neto talked about that, trying to come up with guys that are not already rostered. Toronto beat Minnesota. Uh, No Freddie Van Fleet, no problem. Minnesota did have Anthony Edwards tried to play through his ankle sprain and probably should have sat this one out. A lot of Minnesota should have sat this one out. Was this their last game before the break? They sure played like it. Eyes on a breather. Except for Cat. He was the only wolf that came out and was ready to compete. That's not true. Jaden McDaniels, uh, who I figured would be a pretty good fill-in if Edwards sat, ended up with a good ball game anyway. Uh, Jared Vanderbilt. His head was a little bit in the clouds. D'Angelo Russell was in the clouds. It's a bad game. Lack of focus from a young team trying to learn how to turn a corner. Didn't have it in this one. They'll be okay. They'll be all right. What I did like in this game, not on the Minnesota side, was on the Toronto side. First of all, the Raptors uh, still played Pascal Siakam and Gary Trent almost 40 minutes. Actually, they did. Siakam cleared 40 minutes. But 
They managed to keep the other guys in check a little bit. Scotty Barnes, 31 and a half. OG Ananobi, terrible ball game, but under 30 minutes played. And that allowed the bench to do a couple of things. Chris Boucher, 22 and a half minutes, only five points, but 10 rebounds, a three-pointer, and a couple of blocks. That'll do. And Thad Young, 20 and a half minutes, 10 points, five boards, one assist, a steal, and a block. Probably should have opened the show with this, but Thad clearing 20 minutes means Thad is an ad. He puts the ad in Thad. Or the Thad in ad. I don't... You can run that one however you wanted to. I think you put the ad in Thad. Adius, Sweet Thaddeus. Get him on your roster. They're saying nothing but good things about Thad in Toronto. The fact that he's figured out like a brand new offense and a brand new defense, things he's never seen before, and he's figured it out in less than a week. His role is going to continue to grow by all accounts. They love what he's doing. He's going to take minutes away from Kem Birch and Precious Achua who can't do the stuff that he can as far as passing, as far as passing lanes on defense. Uh, I think you see Thad get up probably around to 22, 23 minutes over the course of, well, I'd say the next week, but we got the All-Star break coming up. Uh, But I like it at this point. And, you know, of all the players that I'm talking about today, this is why I like this card so much. There's a bunch of stuff going on. We just talked about LaMarcus, Andre Drummond. We talked about Aul Neto, Thad Young. I mean, you can even put KCP on that list. It's guys that are not particularly well rostered right now. Eh, not as exciting on that one, but I like Thad. Put him on the board. It's a lot of turnover you can come up with here. San Antonio beat Oklahoma City. Spurs have been playing relatively well since the break. Devin Vassell, another good ball game. No surprise there. Jakob Pertl has been steamrolling the NBA lately. Boy, has he come on. But there's really nothing beyond the starters in San Antonio. Actually, Keldon Johnson, who I've clowned on quite a lot. With the extra usage he's picked up lately, it seems like he's moved into nine-category territory. So I I should give credit where credit's due there. He's taken a step forward, as has Vassell. Just sort of, I mean, this is that same thing, addition by subtraction. Not that the Spurs got better without Derek White. It just opened up a lane for guys that were already there. Oklahoma City is extremely confusing. And by the way, this is 100% what I get for finally saying, okay, fine, we can go with Darius Baisley. I mean, how many damn weeks, how many times on this podcast did I come on here and I said, ah, somebody on Twitter was yelling at me about Darius Baisley, and then I had to shoot him down again. And then finally, finally, I said, okay, it seems like he's starting to turn a corner a little bit. And then this one. But look, here's the thing. He still played 32 minutes. When he's out there for that long, he's generally fantasy usable. He just got blitzed in this one. And it's not entirely clear why. Now, Spurs are not a good defensive team. Thunder just couldn't get it going. It wasn't his night. A lot of really weird stuff, actually, on that Thunder side. Theo Maladone came off the bench for 29 really big minutes. I don't think you want to buy into that anytime soon. Josh Giddy cleared his 30-minute limit again. Isaiah Roby played 29 minutes and actually had a really big fantasy line. We never see him do this much on offense. Alexei Pokushevsky got back up near 30 minutes in this game. 10 and 10 with a couple of blocks. Where the hell did that come from? Trey Mann got 20 shots up in this game. Here's the thing. There's an, there's an inconsistent... The only consistency is inconsistency on the Thunder right now. Josh Giddy is a go. There was no Lou Dort, remember, in this one. 
He's in shoulder shutdown mode. Shea is in ankle shutdown mode. I don't know if they come back on the other side of the All-Star break. They might. I don't know. Maybe. If they do, it completely rearranges things again. I drop Pokashevsky in a number of spots, and then he comes roaring back with this thing. I think if you're in a dynasty league, you probably try to squat on Pokashevsky, someone that I, I have to assume that they try to round into shape. I'm not interested in Isaiah Roby. I'm not interested in Theo Maladon. I'm not interested in Trey Mann this year. Again, that's, you know. And I'm okay with sitting on Baisley a little bit longer. He was playing really well coming into this one. Big time off night. Really wasn't involved for whatever reason. Again, I don't know. All-star-itis? Or just break-itis, I guess, for a lot of guys. So go ahead and hang on a little bit longer. Um, and then, of course, Giddy and Dort, if you want to squat on him. These other guys, they just don't get the blood pumping. You know, Pokashevsky's got his percentages issues, too. It's too much. It's a, you know, it's a, it's a better scoring game, kind of heavy on the starters in this one. Seven-man rotation, basically, for the Thunder. Allowed these guys to have better fantasy lines. A lot of missed shots, so a lot of rebounds. Super high-paced ball game. This was like full-on street ball type of type of game. 105 shots the Thunder took in regulation. Woohoo! That was something else. So they're not all going to be like this, and that's why I'm I'm looking at you like, okay, Roby, no, Maladon, no, Man, no, Poku, probably not. Baisley, who had the worst game of the bunch is the one that I'm actually okay with sticking with. Hey, guys, one of the last chances prior to the All-Star break for me to remind you of our good friends at ThriveFantasy.com. And I might have a prize related to ThriveFantasy.com. So I'm not going to go through the whole rundown because what I want you to do is if you have social media, I want you to contact me via social media at Dan Bespris. And just send me a note that says something like, Dan heard on the podcast about a prize. You don't even have to remind me what it is. I've got this one in my head. And I will reply to you on said Twitter and say, oh, yes. And then we will direct message. And I will see if you will win the prize in question. ThriveFantasy.com. Prop up. If you're going to do it yourself, promo code is ethos, E-T-H-O-S, 100% deposit match bonus, and multiple free contest entry vouchers, but I may even have a sweetener on top of that. Call it in right before the all-star break super bonus from ThriveFantasy.com and the Thrive Fantasy app available on all app stores everywhere. DeMar DeRozan, maker of history. First player ever with 35-plus points and over 50% shooting in, I believe it's seven consecutive basketball games. He has been on an absurd heater. And the Bulls staved off the Kings. Actually came back in this game as well. Uh, start the starters for Chicago right now, although Zach Levine might be back. They said they're hoping he's back on the other side of the All-Star break with his minutes in something of a, a limiter, I guess. I don't know what that'll be, 26, 27, 28, something like that, instead of mid-30s. 
That likely impacts Javante Green and Kobe White more than everybody else. Green had a better shooting game, but he's not on my radar. And we've talked about this before. If he's not getting defensive stats, the other stuff isn't going to be enough. I know this is a better ball game, but six out of seven shooting is not sustainable. Kobe White's a great fill-in anytime Levine is out. So that's good. He picks up the usage. Desunmo gets those point guardy type of stats, so that's good to go. And then, man, just marveling at DeMar is where I'm at right now. I have him in a couple of leagues. Got him in like the 50s or 60s this year. This is an accidental one. I wasn't targeting. I wasn't targeting DeMar, but he's a, he's a mid-second rounder on the season. And he's been ridiculously durable, which beyond everything else has made him now number six by totals on the year. Ahead of Joel Embiid, ahead of Trey Young, right behind former teammate DeJounte Murray. What a year for DeMar. Over on the Kings side, so many of you were screaming at me on Twitter that I should be higher on Dante DiVincenzo. I... I don't know. So, like, I I don't have any built-in hatred for DiVincenzo. I just think he was overhyped. He's a career 42% shooter, which ain't going up in Sacramento. Best shots he was ever going to get came alongside Giannis. Uh, 34%er from downtown. 28% last year, 23% so far this... uh, Sorry, uh, where is he at? He's like 26% this season, 38 last year. Last year to me was kind of a high watermark for him. Took a bunch of three-pointers, got some steals... Six boards, three assists. A lot of stuff went the right way, but here's the thing. He's a bad free throw shooter. For a guard, wing, bad field goal percent. You got to be real good at the other stuff to make up for being bad in both percentages. And I don't think he's doing enough in Sacramento, even if he gets 28, 29 minutes off the bench. It's not going to be enough. I'd sooner play Justin Holiday, although you know I'm not going that direction either because remember Jeremy Lamb is still out. When he comes back, then they start splitting minutes. Davion Mitchell was out for this game as well. So that was bonus run for Holiday and DiVincenzo. They'll have to split it with even more guys. There's two wings on the bench or hurt right now. And uh, a number of folks have asked what to do with Rashawn Holmes. He's a drop, unfortunately. He's not going to get to play behind Demonis Sabonis. They're not going to run two bigs when neither one of them can really space the floor. It doesn't work. They should have traded Rashawn Holmes. He's useless to them right now. That was nuts. Like, get what you get at that point. But, yeah, he, he, he's, he's a drop. Sucks. Way too talented to be a drop, but that's where he's at right now. Can't stop the fighting Blazers right now. You know what? Like, with this Anthony Davis thing, the Lakers actually could fall out of the play-in tournament. I, I don't... Like, I don't, I don't know how they win enough games. or Maybe LeBron will carry them to a handful of wins, but they're going to lose to every good team in the NBA without Anthony Davis. Regardless, that's not the point. Point is, Portland's playing their tails off right now. Big games from Simons, Nurk, Josh Hart, Justice Winslow. Those four guys are all fantasy startable and look really, really good. Winslow missed some shots, but again, he's hanging in there in the percentages. Josh Hart... Unbelievably efficient. Simons has been great. Beat the Grizzlies on the road. I mean, a lot of teams are getting caught with their pants down going into the All-Star break, but, you know, you catch it. Big game from John Morant. Big game from Desmond Bain. Another solid game from Brandon Clark. 12-10, two steals and two blocks. God, I love me some Brandon Clark. 
He's so good. I can do a show on Brandon Clark five days a week in perpetuity. DeAnthony Melton. Solid game in 17 minutes. He was a plus six in a game they lost by four. Couldn't find another minute for him over John Conchar. John Conchar, minus eight. Tyus Jones, minus nine. I know, that doesn't tell the whole story, but for goodness sake. Memphis, your hatred for DeAnthony Melton is so very weird. He had the best plus minus on the team. Brandon Clark and John Morant were the other two Grizz who had a, pl- a positive plus minus. That's it. Oh, well. Anyway, I'm hanging on to Melton. Same hanging on to Brandon Clark. I'm gripping Brandon Clark with all of my might. You cannot pry him from my cold, dead hands. By the way, Dylan Brooks might be back on the other side of the All-Star break. That will have an impact on the wings. Uh, it's basically going to take Zaire Williams probably out of the rotation, I would think. It's going to impact Kyle Anderson. It's going to impact, actually, Desmond Bain. He'll probably play a little bit less. We saw Melton. He lost a few minutes. Clark might lose a few minutes as well. A little bit from everywhere. Conchar and Williams, I think, are the guys that probably take the biggest hits, though. Wouldn't worry about it. But if you want to pick them up, you could. This would be about the time, leading into the week off. Houston, missing both Christian Wood and Kevin Porter Jr. Non-COVID illnesses. Seems like they shared some bad shrimp or something. Which meant Dennis Schroeder got to start and go crazy. Alperen Sengun got to start and go crazy. And they'll be back to the bench in the next ballgame. Jalen Green also got a bunch of extra shots. Jayshon Tate got some extra shots. Everybody gets a little extra fun when the uh, two main usage guys are on the bench. Somehow, Garrison Matthews still only got six shots. And I blame you, Eric Gordon, if you're listening to this podcast. Stop taking 24 shots. You're on a rebuild team. Stop. What the hell are the Rockets doing out there? I mean, this is like, I get it. You're trying to get, if you want assets, you have to just trade Gordon. Someone was giving something for him. It's dumb. Anyway, uh, Shangun's going to get added a bunch and then dropped when he moves back behind Christian Wood. Non-COVID illness. That'll be fine in a week and a day or whatever it is. Rockets next ball game. We'll be fine. Phoenix dicked around for too long in this ball game. Chris Paul got ejected. He thought he got fouled, hurt his wrist. Yelled at the official, got punted very early in the third quarter. Uh, So Phoenix had to go alternate route. They don't have campaign right now. They didn't really want to play Alfred Payton. So new guy, Aaron Holiday, played 20 minutes and was pretty good, actually. He was a plus 11. Phoenix went full mix and match mode in this ballgame. You're not going to add or subtract anybody. Chris Paul will be back and everything goes back to normal for Phoenix after that. So... Yeah, not all that, not all that uh, interesting from a fantasy standpoint, but they, they did have to pull out the whole bag of tricks, didn't they? Utah's back to Utah, the usual fare, meaning Hassan Whiteside you can cast aside. Uh, we already talked about the Lakers. Again, last time Anthony Davis was out, Malik Monk was the guy that needed to step up. Carmelo Anthony was also in that mix. As we mentioned earlier in the show, I don't think you need to make this move now. You have a week. Plus, I thought there were at least three other guys that popped up on Wednesday's results that were more interesting, fantasy-wise, than taking a shot that either Melo is back or isn't back, Monk 
is or isn't in the starting lineup. So, again, if you have a, a ton of moves, you could probably sit on Mello and see what happens. I don't know. I don't think any of it is totally necessary. And really nothing. I mean, there's nothing we're watching for and nothing we are really expecting on the Warriors. Golden State went real small in this game. And I don't know if it was just because of the competition or if perhaps there's uh, maybe a frustration developing with Jonathan Kaminga. I don't know. I really don't know. Um, It's possible that Steve Kerr may have said something about it that I haven't read yet because I am recording this show late the night before, so I haven't been able to go through the full recap. But if this turns out to be any kind of semi-permanent thing, and again, we don't know who's going to be good to go for the Warriors on the other side of the All-Star break, uh, but if Gary Payton becomes a semi-permanent fixture in the starting lineup over Jordan Poole, he would then potentially be worth a look. Even in this one, though, which was a very tight ball game, only Steph, Clay, and Wiggins played what you'd call traditional starters minutes. Gary Payton got only 25, and he got six steals and a block in that amount of time. But I don't think that that's... I don't think that's a minute total you could rely on. I know Monty Morris, by the way, hit the, the game-winning shot in this one. He's back. That's good for Denver. Um... It doesn't, doesn't move the needle for me, really, for anybody. Will Barton's the only one who'd been decent lately. You could probably hang on. They, Barton ended up kind of getting bunched, benched because he was so terrible in this ballgame. There just sort of wasn't a whole lot in this late one. Clu- I, you know, Gary Payton was interesting, but not a thing. Otto Porter playing 23 minutes instead of like 18 tells me maybe his body's getting a little bit closer, but you can't make the move there until after you actually see him get all the way back to some measure of health. That's where we'll put a pin in things. Tomorrow's show, we'll wrap up the week. It's actually going to be mostly an all-star weekend preview. We will do a little Thursday recap instead of kind of a weekend review because, frankly, uh, with the, the long layoff, I don't think you need the weekend review. I don't think you do. Uh, so we'll, we'll look back at the five games happening tonight on tomorrow's deal. We'll do a little bit of a wrap-up, anything that's like super interesting over the last couple of days, but a lot of that would basically just be a rehash of this show, which feels like I don't want to do the same show Wednesday and Friday. That seems dumb. Uh, we'll look at the three-point contest, the dunk contest, the new skills competition. It's a different format this year, which is good, because the old one is was horrible. I don't even know if we need to look at the All-Star game itself. We can if we want to. You're basically just looking to see... If either team has, like, one guy who might care more than anyone else, that's how you that's how you'd bet the All-Star game. And maybe they do. We'll dig into that. That'll all be on tomorrow's show. Uh, we'll loop it back around. On Monday, we'll do kind of a... And we'll have a couple shows like this. There'll be more of a look ahead. Strategically, what have we learned so far? A couple of those types of deals. We'll look back at All-Star Weekend. Uh, and just some sort of fantasy tenets that I think can get us set up for the stretch run. Stretch run time. We're almost three-quarters of the way through the NBA season, ladies and germs. And so with that, and yes, tomorrow's show, Friday show, Monday, Tuesday, went. those those will probably be slightly shorter shows. It'll be more like the offseason, really. <laughs> we ain't there yet, though. Still got some folks to beat. I am Dan Baspris. This is a Sports Ethos presentation called Fantasy NBA Today. Like I said before, please do follow me on Twitter. I have prizes for you 
as they pertain to the good folks at Thrive Fantasy. So hit me up at Dan Baspris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. Just tweet at me with something that's like, Dan, heard you talking about a prize, want to enter the contest, and I'll let you know what's going down. Have a great Thursday. Talk to you tomorrow.